This is the audio podcast with Samuel Freeman and Scott Hewitt. Nah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> you know, I would never have made that connection. And and seemingly ads are going to pop up over my Apple all the time, just constantly. You know what? It's Monday. It's seven o'clock. We used to do it on a Wednesday. We don't do it on a Wednesday anymore. We do it on a Monday instead. But Monday is the new Wednesday. It is indeed. It's audio podcast. Woo! And that isn't that isn't Sam Freeman. Instead, I'm joined by... Scott McLaughlin. Hello, Scott. I'm the new Sam Freeman. Well, you, you've, you've been here before, I think, haven't you? No, not for a tap. Oh, wait, I have been on a tap. Have I've you been noticed. on a tap before? Yeah, I think yeah, you yeah, had been. I have tapped. I have tapped. Tap um, tap helps us. Scott helps us with some of our other shows and behind the scenes and stuff like that and has been on the show before. He's one of our standby presenters, I guess. So mm-hmm. Sam mm-hmm. is uh, doing something else and unable to be here. Though he, he said he might be able to catch the viewing. So Well, he's there. He's, he's talking to us right now. Oh, hello, Sam. Hi there. Uh, I'll have to reply. I, I can't see the chat. Scott will be chatting back, but obviously we'll be talking for the show, so he might not be listening too much. Um, yeah, shall we, shall we get on to the show? What are we calling this show anyway? Oh, uh, this is uh, episode 26. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Hey, that's like half a year. That's pretty impressive. That's, that's good it? work. We've done half a year. Oh, so this is kind of a celebration today. We'll be celebrating with fine crisps and... Um, and cherry coke. And cherry coke. It's fantastic news. Yep. Um, okay. So this is episode 26, CDC. Cool. It's so awkward having to name the shows at the start before we do them, but we're throwing for a while. Shall we go into our news items? Shall we do first of all? Um, mm-hmm. So our first news item is the electronic music guide. Now, this is awesome, but it doesn't work on an iPad, which is ah. what I just discovered. Oh, great effort for me there. Um, fantastic stuff. Can you pull it up? You should be able to pull it up. Though. I so can pull it up. Th- this is like an incredible kind of guide to all the forms of electronic music. Um, I think you could probably pick a fight with it. Oh, work, oh work, yeah. Work, it, work from the wiki. Work from the wiki. That's the best place to work from there. So I, he's, he's, you know, Scott's in our spreadsheet of how everything works. But. Yeah, yeah, I'm a spreadsheet guy. Well, that's okay. Um, but I, I thought this was an incredible site. And one of the things I really loved about it is the fact that it includes, um, it, it includes not just the kind of things you would expect, but it also has like music concrete and other things in there as well. It has a cool tutorial about, you know, about the site. But if you jump through the tutorial, you get to the things. And then it has little samples of the different stuff. So you can hear like tunes that you, you know and love from the past. What I like is is that it's kind of ruthlessly in your face. Well, you haven't even got there yet. There's huge, horrific splash screens. The color is bright. It's constantly playing sound at me when I wanted to or not. But that doesn't matter. It's really great. It tells a great story and with character. Yeah. Shall we uh, Shall we track our favorite kind of uh, electronic music? Well, let's see what we got in the tutorial. You want You want to go? No, no, no. Uh, just look at everything here. I, I was a happy hardcore fan. Did you enjoy happy hardcore? Happy Hardcore kind of passed me by. Scooter is about as much as I know about Happy Hardcore. And, you know, I, well, I know they're a fine out, example. So if maybe in the techno section, it'll be... Wow. Now we're in Hardcore. Oh, you're in Hardcore. Oh, yeah. be like, so you can see the lineage. He's, well, got, he's got a networked map. The That's proposed nice. lineage, I think, is important. You see, you have these circles as well, which for the kind of time periods mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. there as well. I think that's pretty cool. Subsection for Hard Dance. This is really nicely done, and everything is clickable. Everything leads you to more information. Guys put a lot of time into this. I really appreciate that. And you get little samples as well of tracks that you oh, can, yes, so you you can listen to stuff. We better not play them, though, because I, I don't know if he's got clearance, but we definitely don't have clearance. Well, that's true. We better not play it. But, but I, I had a really fun evening. I probably spent about an hour, actually, just listening to all the tracks. I thought it was great <laughs> fun. So You at home could now quite happily just imagine us sitting here with that silent, happy hardcore banging away behind us. Oh, that'd be awesome. That's a, that's Good a use of the word banging there, by the mm-hmm. way. I like that. 
Also no, it's the, a lot of fun this night, and there's a lot of information, and it's. You know, should they teach this in schools? Should this be like on the GCSE syllable, syllabus? GCSE music syllabus. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it would be great. Uh, we're in obviously we're in the UK, so mm-hmm, GCSE mm-hmm. is like the thing you do at sixteen. You kind of do yeah. them, and then they let you go on to the next exams. You've which had three years of high uni. school. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the equivalent in in Ireland that would be the junior cert. Very nice. Oh, maybe they've changed the name. It's been a while since yeah, I've been there. You know, I I would dare say I don't know what they teach them at the moment, but I have my suspicions that the the history of uh, techno might be slightly more relevant to some of them. Perhaps, I don't know. Um, I'm with you on that. Well, fair enough. That's cool. Especially if that sort of design criteria would be nice. Ha! <laughs> I just noticed a genre I've never come across before, which is of course booty house and booty bass. Awesome. There's a lot of booty on this site. Obviously, this is tied in with Crunk, all the way to the Dirty South. Ah, okay, never mind. I'm going to get off this now. I could lose a lifetime looking at this. So while, we, while we're talking about education here, um, I think something that's uh, something that I spotted uh, from the Linux Journal is a Super Collider tutorial. Well, just before you go on Oh, no, that, sorry. Have I jumped ahead of you? I'm sorry. Well, go for it, go only, for it. only for a momentary educational plug that, obviously, anyone who wants to see what we're talking about should go to the website oh of course yeah and you um, have all the links there uh wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk all our links follow what we're doing and we're actually working off that well i'm working off that right now so if you're online and you want to uh, completely sabotage us then you can just uh, you know um if you start editing the wiki then we'll just start talking about whatever's <laughs> there which could be a lot of fun live vandalism on air i really want to do a show like that one day actually but for now for now let's not no, no, no. Anyway, as I was saying, the, the Linux Journal has this uh, kind of multi-part Super Collider 3 tutorial. Um, has Super Collider's obviously been enjoying a period of moving away from just a kind of very sort of underground... Well, I don't... It feels like it hasn't been an underground hackish thing for, for years now. But they do have a proper hardback printed book. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence, I think they're starting to see a little bit more acceptance into the educational sectors and stuff. And Absolutely. Hence, we see this kind of thing. I, th- I thought it was cool. And, and we had some whole cool. countries taking it on. I mean, for a while there, Brazil was really pushing pushing this kind of thing. Seemingly, the mm-hmm. current Brazil government is maybe a little bit less uh, interested in pursuing that, but maybe mm-hmm. that's a topic mm-hmm. for another day. Another day. Um, have you had you, you played much with Super Collider? You know, Super Collider was something that, I, in the back of my head, I always think, oh, I really must do more messing around with Super Collider, because I see so much good stuff done in it. I mean, you know, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm novice to intermediate Max user, but Sometimes I feel more comfortable with um, just just straight code rather than a graphic interface. And Super Collider appears, in some for some instances, to be easier at doing certain things. I got to be really careful with what I say. Or I'm going to get some serious MaxMSP hate mail coming through. Oh, you're going to get hate mail from Super Collider as well, probably, and everybody else. Woo! I wouldn't let the uh, hate mail uh, nature worry you too much. Well, my overriding point is I would love to take a, a couple of weeks or a month even to just mess with Super Collider and do something interesting with it. Fair enough. That's cool. I like it. it, it the, the first part of the tutorial is obviously uh, how to get it, how to make it, how to build it. It's kind of Linux. Obviously, Linux journal is Linux-focused, but you can get a pre-built binary for Windows for Mac OS X. So if you kind of look at the uh, thing and think, if, if you if you would go to this page and think, oh, no, that's too intimidating, then if you're on Windows or OS X, and actually, I suppose if you're on any of the major kind of Linux distributions, you're probably fine that you can just get a you can get a pre-built binary or, you know, use your mm. package manager to do the install. And then you'll get to the kind of cool bits where it starts making some noise, which I think is pretty fun. Of course, what's really nice about this Linux journal page is that, you know, as with all good Linux articles, it goes into horrific amounts of detail. But 
sometimes that's just what you need. You need someone who talks you through it, literally code line by code line. And this is, is fantastic. And one of the downsides, when I did mess with SuperCollider a little bit, because I came from a binary, uh, I was running it on Mac, I didn't get all this all this careful explanation of the difference between the client-server relationship, all that. So I was just pressing buttons not knowing what the hell I was doing. This article really explains to you how that works and how it needs to be implemented, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a, if you're willing to do the reading, it's really useful. That's cool. And when we talk about reading, um, I obviously do most of my reading online, which actually brings me to Freesound and the new Freesound website. Oh, this is so good. I love Freesound. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Freesound 2, the, I think it's been a little bit of a joke in the community, or certainly the kind of developer side of the audio community, about the fact that there's going to be a new Freesound site at some point. And here it is. And the guys kind of acknowledge the fact it's taken a while and also kind of suggest that this is how it's going to be for a while now as well, which I think they've done a really awesome job. Yeah, there's some really nice coding here. The, the interface is really good. They've added some great stuff. I mean, I never had a problem with the old one. I thought they did good with the old one, but this is definitely uh, a leap upwards. It's such a great... Um, if I can just it's point such out a great a tool, isn't it? My, oh, oh well, you got a couple yeah. of cool features. Yeah, go for it. Well, even before we go on to, to, to cool features, yeah, it just in general, Freesound is such a great thing to have. I direct a lot of my students to it just as a place to get samples. I mean, you know, tell them to make their own samples as well, of course. But if you just want somewhere to hunt down different types of samples to use with things, this is so good. Well, definitely. So. The thing I like about it, which I think is really cool, is the way that once you've got an account there, it remembers what you have downloaded, mm -hmm. yep. which I think is really, well, I, I find it's essential, actually, because it really allows you to make sure your students are referencing material correctly. Absolutely. Also, if you are then releasing sounds that you have done, you know where to go to to clarify, you know, which which sample did I end up using and all those yep. sort of questions are much easier to resolve. And, it, you know, the site is community-driven. It's a really good community-driven place. And it, it it's thought of that way. It's been thought through with that in mind. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Just this is the first day that I've really I've taken a quick look through it, and uh, straight off the bat, the cool features I've already found. When you when you go onto a particular sample, its own page, you get your standard kind of view, and it will play, and it's loading up pretty quickly as well. But they've even thrown in there a change display that you can change to spectral view rather than waveform view, and and it's got built into that. Uh, it reads out frequency values when you mouse over it. You mouse yeah. any part of the spectral view, you get the frequency values. I don't know if they're doing that in browser. It would be great to know. Maybe we get have a talk to those guys. Somewhere. Yeah, I well, know. If if you're involved with free sound and you'd like to come on the show, we would love to have you on the show. We're big fans. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you can support free sound with like a t-shirt or a donation. And you know, if you're a big user of it, I definitely would encourage you to kind of do that kind of thing. I think it'd be really cool. Hey, I get paid later this month, and I need t-shirts. Maybe I need a Freesound t-shirt. I think that's a good call. I'm, I'm going to go check out their uh, their buy a t-shirt section. You're just going to go, okay then. Well, Scott is uh, checking out how to buy a t-shirt from Freesound. Nicely done. Uh, I'll just give you a way of possibly winning a competition that could uh, generate you some... I don't, I, actually, I don't know if the prize is money or not, so I was going to say ah. money to buy a t-shirt, but I just didn't know there if that was the case. But the uh, Georgia Tech Center for Music Technology has its a uh, Margaret Goofman Musical Instrument Competition, mm -hmm. which is a competition to design a, uh, a a new controller for a thing there. Oh, it is a cash prize. A $10,000 uh, $10, worth of cash prizes. Wow. Pardon you. Well, hey, that was actually bang on, wasn't it, there as well? That was ace. <laughs> that was my doorbell. I got my, my wife has some friends around tonight, so it's kind of... It's all go. It's cool, I think. 
this looks pretty cool. Um, the so event you, you calls design, for entries. You design a new controller? Do you, do you have yeah. to design it yourself, or do you just propose one? Uh, no, I, I think the idea is that you... To be honest, I read that. Let me... It's the X Prize for Music. I'll have a look here. Submissions being accepted. So you, you can... Um, it, there's multiple categories. Mobile, robotic, repurposed, augmented, and controllers. So it's an opportunity to try and develop a... Excellent. A, a novel interface. We, we cover these things every now and again because usually they have really cool YouTube videos and we just end up talking about mm. the really cool YouTube video, don't we? So I particularly like that they're offering categories for repurposed instruments and augmented instruments. Yeah. There should be some, some real fun stuff in there. Definitely so, no, I think so. Cyborg guitars and the like. Cyborg guitars. If anyone's made a cyborg guitar, please contact us at theaudiopodcast.com. We would, uh, we'd like to see that. Yeah, for sure. Good work. All right, let's see what's next. But uh, at that moment, I'd like to go back to the the t-shirt. Oh, have you got I it? I think okay, I will yeah, be no, getting that, a free sound t-shirt. It's it's simple. It's just got a nice waveform thing on it. Nice. How much is it? Uh, now that is a question. Europe. Right. No use at all. Loading, loading, loading. Well, uh, Scott establishes how much his new t-shirt's going to be. Um, I'm going to move on to the next article. How about that? Yep. Um, so, uh, Novation, uh, Novation Music are releasing a new keyboard, uh, the Impulse Precision Keyboard. Uh, isn't it ace? Like, we just have a thing about, like, you know, new interfaces and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, and here's a new keyboard. It's an old interface. But well, it's still a new, interesting old interface. That's very true. Like, in this in this room right now, we actually have one, two, I got three keyboards in here. One of which is really little, but... You don't just, have that many hands. I know, I'm just thinking that. It's like... I don't know how many more keyboards I'm going to buy. I'm not going to go into that for a minute. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. One thing I did think was awesome about this keyboard, which has nothing to do with its keyboard likeness whatsoever, actually. Ah. But it does allow you to uh, map. It uses Novation's technology to map against controls, to map against doors and plugins. Ah. So you can actually have, you can use the keyboard as a control surface to run your door as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's an awesome feature. However, doesn't everybody already have a control surface? to some extent doing that already. And does it mean then that you can't use the keyboard for keyboardiness? Maybe you can do oh, a no, split no, keyboard. You can thing? use the keyboard for keyboardiness as well, so, but it's you just, just that the control keys onto it. it oh, like, I get some it. of the, some yeah. of the control surface, physical control surface on the keyboard is dedicated to door control mm. rather than keyboard parameter control. Okay. So it's not that you're taking existing, you know, keyboard knobs and buttons and attaching them to the door, you're just it's got extras. Well, I, I suspect they're probably repurposed, but I, mm. my main my main thought was, well, this initially I was like, this is an awesome idea. Mm-hmm. And I still think it is an awesome idea. And if you didn't have any anything for a control surface, then this would be a great reason to go for it. But I guess what I am saying is, doesn't don't most people have control surfaces largely already anyway? And then would you buy a keyboard just because it had one built into it? If you well, were gigging, would you want there, to then carry it around? There. There, there is definitely a market for people who want to have that option. And I'm always a big fan of options. Obviously, options can create bloat, but presuming they've got around that little problem. Yeah. But I guess the other part of it is when you say, doesn't everyone have a control surface? If they're selling this to the, to the high-end professional market, then you're probably right. But I don't have a control surface. That's just not quite true. I have a MIDI fader box that needs a MIDI cable. I don't really use that. So th- this could be useful for me. Okay. I could see cool. somebody somebody working this into them. Maybe the market they're looking for is the really awesome keyboard player who's not very good at QWERTY keyboards but is a fantastic p- pianist. Oh, that would be cool. And they could, you know, they could do seriously fast door stuff by just accessing mm-hmm. the keyboard. Well, it uses the AutoMap technology, which means you can use it with uh, Cubase, Sonar, Pro Tools, GarageBand, Ableton Live, Renoise, that, all that kind of stuff. It's Sweet. all kind of supported out of the box. And one suspects that a lot of the... 
you know the open source people are probably you'll probably see support for that stuff as well because they'll be able to code it in themselves. Yeah, that'd be great. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, I think that overall here, I'm I'm happy that it's an option. You're happy that it's an option. That's fair enough. But I don't see it as something that every keyboard developer should necessarily build in. Maybe maybe can we get a monotron like this? That would be awesome. Monotron yeah. with built-in. Oh yeah, like uh, it would and they be make like it huge, three feet just, long. Yeah, that'd, yeah. Be, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? I mean, it is a kind of got a kind of cool red trim to the side of it as well, which you know, I mean, I think we all know that everybody buys keyboards because they look awesome as well. Mm-hmm. It says the person who has a red one and a blue one. <laughs> I do. They, they're, they're, one's red and one's blue. It's genuine. That's what they are. You could probably guess what they are from that description. But anyway, should we move on to what we're going to go for next? Oh, wait, uh, should, shall we go for our contentious one next? Or, or do you, you want to skip through? to another couple and then come back for the contentious one? Yeah, let's one? skip through. We'll, we'll All right, we're going to reorder the... the show notes slightly. Uh, we're going to go for the 64 channel wave sound grid for iLife. Mm-hmm. Awesome. This is cool. Um, Alan and Heaps Technology. Uh, when the music production show came to Leeds and Sam and I went there, we both had a play with this and were quite impressed with this technology. I'm sorry um, I missed that. Well, no, it's okay. Sam's not here, um, though I think he might be in the chat room. So if he's really unhappy with my representation of his views, then that's fine. He can argue on there if he wants to. <laughs> um, basically, this is just another added bit into their iLive mixing system. This is where you push audio over Ethernet rather than um, rather than using dedicated audio cabling. It's I They're pushing it as ideal for the live environment because basically rather than having a snake, you run an Ethernet cable from the front and back. Makes sense. Um, yep. And you push the audio up and down the Ethernet cable. You then have the audio, all the kind of AD stuff is all happening on the stage. So you've got very, very short signal paths, physical signal paths doing that as well. It's cool technology. The other thing which is awesome about this, which wasn't apparent, I think a lot of people missed out in the first instance, was the fact that you could mirror, you, you could mirror the connectivity between two between the sockets. So you could do one lot of audio digital conversion then send it down two different Ethernet cables to two different places, huh. one of which could do the live mix and one of which could do the studio, could do the recording mix. That is, that's, that's a good example of a problem that needed solving, yeah. and it seems to be pretty elegant. And, with, and to do that, you needed two Ethernet cables, mm-hmm. which I thought, I thought that was incredible. Anyway, what we've got here, though, is the new 64-channel sound grid interface, which allows you to do 64 channels either way. So they've kind of upped the upper limit there. It's an add-on card that you can just screw in. Um, that's, that's pretty nice. cool. I think that's a cool thing. I really like their technology, actually. Uh, yeah, I'm, I might well, follow up again with Alan and Heath about it because it I thought it was cool and they were very interested. The question I always have when I see things like this is, do you think this is now something that should become standard? Should it all be like this? Should we dump snakes? Would this be better across the board or are there limitations to how this can be applied? If it works, it'd be fine, wouldn't it? Mm. I, I really think if it works, it would be fine. And I think a lot of people know from... Uh, from Weaker Speakers project that I'm involved in yeah. and also the His project, the, the His project that I'm involved in through my work that we, we, we do spend a lot of time with kind of large speaker array setups. And yep. I often think, wow, imagine how incredible it would be if you could just plug every speaker into an Ethernet, you know, just a big Ethernet hub, yep. Ethernet cable and every yeah. speaker, and then you just assign them digitally, remotely, and that's it. There's a lot to that's be said done. for that. I, I can, yeah, I can see that. Tell me every speaker has a, well, every speaker would have to have a MAC address. Or would have to have a MAC address equivalent, and then you could just be like, select the speaker, send this audio to them. Yeah, but you could do so much of that as well in terms of code and addressability, and yeah, definitely so, definitely. I like it. I think it'd be a cool. I, I think it's. I, I think it's cool, and I do think there is a big. I, I do think we'll get there. I guess the other issue is that will we just, you know, will we just ditch the wire wire and it would just become wireless? I'm saying that's, you know, mm. that that's maybe the other angle to it. Like, but I, I did, yeah. There's a bit of me which was uh, like, this is a great technology. <laughs> Th- this is great technology, and this might be awesome. 
this is this is awesome right now for professionals. Do I ever see it in the amateur world? Maybe not, purely just because of the fact that I think we might end up with the wireless version for the yeah. amateur world instead. Yeah. Uh, call me call me mildly luditic, but the, the, the I always get a slight worry about wireless. I mean, you know, wireless is great. I love it. I use it all the time. But for something critical like this, wireless is much more likely to go down for some reason than having a physical cable there. But yet, at the same, we've moved on from the Allen and Heath thing now. But just talking generally about this idea. Oh, we got a comment in from Sam. Oh, hi, Sam. Sam says, Ethernet audio and massively multi-channel sound rigs is good. Thanks for that, Sam. Yep, I'm, I'm down with that. Cool. Um, the, the Well, it, it was announced at uh, Plaza 2011, which is obviously running in Earl's Court right now. Uh, we'll probably mention more about it next ne- next week's show, I guess, to, to an extent at least. I always find the problem with these things is they tend to just get preemptively scooped massively anyway. Like, Oh, yeah. You know Everyone's I mean? talking about this. But but it's not it's nonetheless it's a cool it's a cool uh, you know it, it's on it's pretty cool if you're there you're there um, it was in Earl's Court um, I've got a very busy week so I decided not to go. Ah. Is there anyone uh, bloggers out there anyone you think would particularly be interesting to follow on this? I I did actually go looking for that and mm. I didn't really find anything that I thought was particularly great. Um, Maybe there'll be roundups done after it's finished. It's only on day two. Yeah, yeah no, that's that's potentially the case. Um, also launched at Plaza uh, this year. And the reason for our na- show naming as well, mm. in case you're worried about that, it's a, um, it's a Sound have released the CDC8. It's cool. It's uh, their new digital live production console. Um, Kadak specialize in kind of professional, re- you know, really top end uh, professional kind of installations, installation live work. This looks pretty. And it is, um, yeah. They, they make incredible desks. Um, I have no experience of them. Have you? Have you used one before? A long, quite a while ago, I saw one, had a player fit. It was mm-hmm. an incredible desk. They have, the the basis behind the company was the idea of introducing, if, I mem- if my memory serves me correctly here, is they were asked to provide the kit for the Little Shop of Horrors when it first opened. And the idea behind right. the Little Shop of Horrors was that they wanted studio quality sound for the live show. And this was a studio quality desk that they could use in a live show. That was, yeah. that was, the, that was the beginning, the reason for the first ever kind of Kadak desks, and they carry on. They're a UK-based company. Um, it's it's cool stuff, you know? That's cool. Right? Yeah. It'd be kind of cool there. Obviously, they're, you know, um, the list price. Do you want to have a guess at the list price? Oh, okay. I'm going to go for 40 grand. Yeah, 45K, not bad. Hey, that's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff there, you know. But <laughs> the price is right. The price is about right. Can we say that on air? Why not? <laughs> We're not going to buy one, so it's fine. Go, but obviously it's cool kid. It always works. It's it's solid stuff there as well. Um, also being announced at Plaza 2011 is the establishment of the Association of Sound Designers. Mm-hmm. How about that? Um, Association of Sound Designers dot com. Um, basically it, it's much more kind of focused towards live work, but any any sort of sound design. That's interesting. Um, I, I think it's a great idea. It's it's basically filling in a gap which has existed for a while in that there's always been association of lighting designers. The theater people are generally very well unionized anyway. And there's never been a kind of sound design association per se. So and I think this is a good idea. Fill me in for a second. Them. When you say live, do you say live sound design? Well, are like, you talking about theater sound? Yeah, design? it's 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 kind of orientated into the theater to, world, as opposed to sound design that is done on the fly. Yeah, it's it, it, as an organization, they they they're definitely very keen and very aware of the circumstances surviving people who are doing. Um, who are moving between contract to contract to do sound mm-hmm. design for kind of live theater production work. 
So it's not so. Well, I'm sure they'd be very welcome in having very welcome in hearing from people who are involved in, say, game sound design. Yep. It's much. It's more kind of directly focused towards theater. So if you're doing sound design for theater, this is definitely a, an organization you should be aware of, and you should probably probably introduce yourself to at least. Well, now that I've clicked through them. onto their onto their who are we cool, section, yeah. they have a very clear short and long version of what it of what this is, and they explicitly say a theater sound designer. So yeah, they're talking about theater here. But who knows? Maybe it would be interesting having a conversation with them about who else they consider would be uh, eligible for their association, which yeah. of course may also be on this page, and I may not have read that far just yet. Well, people, people can check it out. I thought it'd be cool to mention it. Um, mm, definitely, very useful. I'm also going to say hi, try and contact them as well and get them on the show because I think it'd be cool to find out from them. Yeah, definitely. See what kind of problems they hope to solve, what, how they hope to be useful. Or, or is it just, well, not just, but that, that as you say, the theatre in general is heavily um, associated. Yeah. That's cool. That's great stuff. Uh, should we move on again? I think yep. that's our last story from Plaza. However, we... What something that was released today, it well was released the last couple of days. The A Audio, the, the AES convention, the Audio <laughs> Engineering Society convention in New York, has released its kind of uh, planned schedule of events, the preliminary calendar for the thirty first conf- conference. Do we see convention. anything interesting coming up um, there? I did, but now I've realised oh, wow. that it's actually really small. Yep. There, there is some really really cool stuff. I'm saying things that I really like is like there's a session here and. There's a session I found here on Friday the 21st, which is remastering Motown. Ooh. Where else would you hear of, you know, that kind of session? Oh, we've also got uh, Ben Folds of Ben Folds 5 discussing his career, influences, and music business. That could be interesting. Yep. Uh, Leopold Stokowski, I'm presuming he's not presenting something. Nope, nope, because he's dead. That would explain... That's it. Uh, that's interesting, though. Again, we got an interesting mm-hmm. paper about uh, Stokowski working with analog technology. On, on on the Thursday, two things we've talked about actually in line here. Um, I see Data Networks transmission mm-hmm. followed by multi-track recording for live sound. That's kind of cool. An HTML5 section there. Um, and this is all happening in New York. Yeah, yeah. It, it's all happening in New York. Going remember the AES as well. Mm-hmm. But I think it's cool. Um, October 19th, have I got this? Yes, October 19th to 23rd, if you're yeah. in the New York area and are interested in audio engineering. Yeah, you should def- definitely check that out. I, mm. I think that'd be a cool thing. I always look at it and think to myself, this is like, AES is, you know, I'm not part of it, but I really think I should be now. I just, every time I see their, see more and more of their stuff, I'm more and more interested in what they've got. Oh, I particularly like the look of this, um, the opening ceremony keynote oh. by Charles Lim, Associate Professor in the Department of Otolaryngology, John Hopkins School of Medicine, well, hearing cool. specialist uh, and saxophone player, says here is groundbreaking work on how the brain develops and assimilates musical creativity. Is really really interesting by the looks of it. That sounds really cool. I see here uh, the, the keynote address is entitled "Jazz, Hip Hop, Creativity, and the Brain: An Inquiry into Relationships." <laughs> That's nice. Awesome. I do like that. I like that very much. That's cool. How are we doing? Oh, we, I think we've made it to our contentious story for the day then. Dum, ba, dum, 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 dum. Well, it's not really contentious. No, it's floating around. Um, Mac Rumors are running a... Mac Rumors flashed up on September the 7th the fact that the uh, the release of Logic Pro X, as they're entitled it, as they're calling it, is due soon. Now, we should point out that this is this is rumor. As well, it's Mac Rumors. It's, uh, well, yes. As Peter Kern says on the Creating Digital Music site, this is a rumor about a rumor. But that's cool because we wanted, you know, 
It's, it's fun to talk about it anyway, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Know? Well, you know, speculation is, is half the fun of it. Half the fun of uh, half the fun of what we get to do. So, like, you know, diving right in at the deep end, are Apple going to destroy logic and make it not what its uh, users expect and are used to? Of course, the other question is, did they destroy Final Cut? Well, that's another open-ended question. Um, well, no, I don't think it is. I'm saying they destroyed Final Cut. There you go. Did, well, I think they did, didn't they? I, I don't know any... As, I, I, as a non-Final Cut user, I, I decline to comment at the moment, but everything I've heard from professionals is that this is not the program that they want to be able to use. Yeah, I'm saying that's definitely the case. However, in defense of Apple, it's fair to say that Final Cut, the old, the previous version of Final Cut was just ridiculous in terms of usability. I'm saying I'd like... Too high a, uh, a learning curve, you say? Yeah, but I remember as somebody who writes code plays with computers a lot and can generally you know I, mm -hmm. like you know computers are the thing i can kind of cope with usually i remember like final cut took me it took me longer to learn final cut than it did to learn like latex as an as an illustration <laughs> like, i remember it was just crazy it was like wow none of this makes any sense and then there were things like i believe if i get the terminology correct there was such a thing as a key frame or something that sounds reasonable and like that was the point where you began what we would refer to in the audio world as automation. Uh -huh. So that would be an automation point. But they called it, I think it was called a key, I was, the way I was told about it, they was referred to as a keyframe. And as far as I'm concerned, there are keyframes in video, and, but there's something else. You know, that's the one you've got to, that's like the one which has the bit that everything yeah. else is added and taken away from in the next X number, and then it refreshes and thus again. thus the confusion sets in like a rot. And I remember thinking, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. I... You know, I'm but surely there's a middle ground here. So you know, there are obviously uh, there's obviously an entire community out there of Final Cut users who are professionals who use it in their workflow every day and are very happy with what was the old version. And there's a whole other end of people who try to use it for some video work, and it just becomes a massive frustration. So surely there's a middle ground here where there's a version that can be made for one and another version for another. But that's just increasing Apple's uh, code overhead. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 think right. that one. I, I think in, in terms of what I think is going to happen with Logic, I, I think there's two issues to bear in mind. The first one is that Logic has already got the 64-bit thing in it, and it has already been rewritten. So Apple have had Logic in the in-house for a while, and they've done the rewrites. All, all the kind of underpinning rewrites have been done. So it's not like the whole issue of Final Cut going from 32 to 64-bit. That sure. isn't going to happen with Logic. Yeah. So I think, first of all, architecturally, they're not going to have... They, there isn't a reason... Well. There probably are lots of reasons why they might want to go in and rip it apart, but there isn't a raw architectural reason which is going to force them to rebuild the code base. Yeah. So I think, first of all, that's a, that's a step in the favor of not doing a massively transformative rewrite. And that will probably help to prevent a backward compatibility issue mm -hmm. kicking in, Yeah. which I think is cool. So I think I'd be really disappointed if it doesn't open a new... If if the new version if the new version when it arrives doesn't open old versions the new version of Logic yeah yeah I'd be really disappointed if that was the case that seems highly unlikely on the other side of it though in the raw numbers game Apple has more amateur there are more enthusiasts I'm going to use the word mm -hmm. there are more enthusiast audio producers than there are professional audio producers and if I'm Apple and they get GarageBand for free yep. I want to sell them something there's more people I'm going to sell an enthusiast version of logic to then i'm going to sell professional version of logic to sure. and that's the thing that makes me nervous because i think that's what drove the final the final cut modifications and i think that same thing could yeah. drive the logic modifications so they're trying to expand the user base by for want of a better term dumbing down the software yeah dumb down the interface so more people mm. go oh i'm fed up for what i can do in 
Garage Band. Yeah, let's go for Logic now. And there, there is also that there is there's a certain amount of, of backdrop to that too, because the previous versions of Logic fixes a lot of the fixes in previous versions of Logic have been to do with making the interface less cluttered, making it easier. You know, when they drop the whole floating window thing. Yep. All of this stuff. But at the same time... Sorry, you were going to say something. No, 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 no. I think you're right. No, go, go, on, go on, go on. Well, at the same time, logic isn't that hard. Now, See, I think logic is horrible. But there's a difference between horrible and difficult to pick up. Okay. No, As I, in, okay I understand what you're saying, that Final Cut Pro was frustrating to learn. But I don't think logic is frustrating in the same way. I think if you're familiar with DAWs to any level, even if you're coming out of GarageBand, logic, apart logic from is fine, some yeah. particularly awkward things, logic is okay. Okay. No, I, I think I probably agree with that, yeah. And, of course, the other question is how many really high-end users are using Logic? I mean, most of the, the people who in the So are you suggesting that world, Logic is... Well, you see, if you, you see, I think you're probably right in that I... You know what I mean? If I think professional audio, I would be... I'm probably thinking Pro Tools. Yeah. Maybe a Lacey system. Something like that. Yeah. I'm, I think you're probably right that I'm not... That Logic maybe isn't the isn't the premier tool of choice but i think that that would give me even greater cause of concern because then if you're saying logic probably there might not be that many professional logic users out there at the very mm -hmm. top end then that's even less reason why apple should care exactly about continuing on feature support that they want or interface support that they want yeah and of course i think the people it's going to hit worse if this happens again we are talking of a rumor of a rumor that <laughs> what it'll hit Multiple rumors is on top is the people who are already good at Logic and are using that, and it, it's and they want to do more stuff in Logic, but the feature set is being reduced, so they're going to have to jump ship up to a bigger thing. Yep. So are you suggesting we could see a um because obviously when Apple bought Logic and brought it in house, they mm -hmm. consolidated it for yep. multiple versions to one version. Are you suggesting that we might see Apple? They they might bring out two versions of Logic, one of which is more enthusiast focused Garage Band. Logic Lite. Have the step yep. in between Garage Band and Big Logic. And Big Logic. So, so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean a lot of other programs have been going that way over the past few years. Look at look at Adobe. They've yep. been pushing out mid range stuff for the last couple of years to attract enthusiasts in Photoshop Lite, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, who knows? Perhaps mm. we might even find out before the end of the year. Do we know, is, is there a time for new logic to drop? I don't think there's a time them? frame particularly right now, but I guess we've got to be pretty near. I'm saying mm. we've got the new Macs. We, we had the, um, you know, we, we've had a whole load of refreshes going. Um, I, iPhone 5 has been lost and found a couple of times mm -hmm, now. Mm -hmm. So you've got to figure that there's going to be something announced in iPhone 5 pretty soon. And, you know, this might be the kind of thing just to drop a... You see, oh, you see now that I think about this, right? So check out this scenario. Mm -hmm. iPhone 5. And as part of the iPhone 5 launch event, they relaunch, they, they kind of, because they always put a second launch on the back quite often, don't they? Yeah. But so we get we get the iPhone 5, and then on the back of that, we get the kind of, the the re retargeting of the kind of pro, pro apps, yep. you know, Final Cut Pro and that sort of stuff with some sort of remote interface, remote control interface inside the iPhones. And then it's, and hey, why not do this with this? And it's kind of something like that. Pushing the iPhone more into a content creation sort of area. and Who knows? It's all I don't know. I'm just speculation. I'm just speculating for fun. Then, yeah, basically. that's great speculation. Well, there's a really good write-up of this on Create Digital Music uh, that I quite liked. A very sensible approach to it, but yep. um, it's certainly worth speculating about. Mac rumors are responsible for the uh, for the rumor appearing. Well, mm -hmm. at least for publicizing the rumor far and wide. Uh, there's a link to that from the cr the CDM. Yeah, I think our show well. notes are the Mac rumors as well. So yeah, yeah that's all there. That's cool. Uh, and where does uh, that bring just us? while while we're on the topic of doors, I, sh I sh would just like to put a shout out to Reaper at the moment. I've been 
I had I got Reaper a couple of months ago and just messed around with it and it was it was fine. But I did my first proper recording project with it over okay. the weekend. There, I really enjoyed using Reaper. Reaper was great. I had some really annoying times with envelope uh, breakpoint envelopes, but other uh, that was just me, I think. But other than that, really enjoyed using Reaper. Good piece of. Uh, what, what did you? What have you moved from? If I dare ask, Is it, if you want. <laughs> ironically, Logic. Oh. No way. Well, you know, I, I didn't know. I, I genuinely didn't know that. Actually. I'm sorry. I, I, I I've you always were, been uh, a kind of a, a, a. I'm not a professional recorder. I I use whatever software is to hand, and Logic tended to be what was to hand. Yeah, you know, I've come Audacity. I've come Nuendo. I've done. I see. My mind. I thought of you as a Cubase guy because you used to be Windows. But Actually, Ableton was my tool of choice at the time, mainly oh, okay. because I had a copy Ableton Fair Live. Enough. That was, I think, Ableton Live three. I did my first two albums in non-beat-based stuff, all just using their uh, their recording interface, not the beat-based interface. Cool. But yeah, Reaper, awesome. Well, we should move into our plunder section. U-R, U-R, plunder. Oh, sorry. Just before we move on to blunders, I've just caught up with the chat window. Um, oh, yeah, let's Sam get to the Sam has chimed in to say that maybe Apple no longer want to be a player in the production of media, only in the consumption of it. I think that's a, that's a good smoking gun to leave on. S- such insights from the chat window and afar. <laughs> that's fantastic stuff. All right, um, let's go into the plunder. Arr. Arr. Plunder section, as they say. I'm going to have a crisp. First of all, I'd like to uh, a nod to Adam Yanch, who has presented on the show, um, uh, trying to think, two episodes ago, I think he presented with us. It's always a pleasure to have Adam around. He's actually in the process of moving house, so I just acknowledge that house move. I hope it goes well, mm-hmm. Adam. But he has uh, sent me a, a link to an Amazon I- item. Now, as you know, we like to, we often link to Amazon items. However, these aren't ones that you're going to buy particularly. Um, they're more ones that are quite comical here. So, um, Scott, you did really well with the last price on an item we had. So, we're going again here. So, an AudioQuest K2 terminated speaker cable. So, this is a speaker cable which has a um, thingy, a USTH and plug, plugs on the back of them. Which, you know, makes it better. Makes it better, for sure. Definitely, it has quite a lot of pictures, actually. How would uh, how much would you suggest this item is worth? Uh, well, you know, how high end is it here? Are we talking like, oh, like this is gold-plated titanium? It, it does. It doesn't say that, but I'll give you a clue. Skin. It is. It is. It is high end. I tell you what. Before we actually before we tell you the price and before you guess here, I should read you some of the reviews, perhaps. Oh yeah, Amazon is always good for reviews. That helps me decide what I'm going to buy. Yeah. Um, we live underground. Oh, no. I need to find a good one here. What can I say? Well, that is a really good one, but it's long. If, if there is one cable I would wholeheartedly trust my Crimea hunting needs, this would be the cable. No other cable has the tensile strength to properly and efficiently garrote. Very nice. Uh, pros quickly tears through scales, fur, bone, fur and bone. Do you find any other reviews that help you there? Well, I, I think that the dedicated review reader really wants to take a half an hour get in the bath or something with it, with your computer and just read some of these reviews. They're, they are absolute wonders of happiness. Um, I, I'll grab you a short one. Oh, of course, yes, please. Using these cables, and only these cables, I was finally able to hear an auditory gem that has been long rumored among music connoisseurs, Aretha Franklin's stress fart just prior to her high A in the recording of You're All I Need to Get By, worth every penny. And how many pennies would that be? Um, I've actually, I was, I was, to be honest, I was enjoying the reviews. <laughs> I'm sorry. Allow me to return to the helpful portion of the page here. Um, so are you ready for this? Uh, I hope people at home have guessed. We'd love to hear back uh, where you guessed as well at this point here. There's a little competition. There's obviously no prizes whatsoever, but um, $8,450 there. 
You'll be happy yep. to hear though that's free with uh, Super Saver shipping. Oh well, that's good. I oh, I guess if you're an Amazon Prime customer, you get free delivery anyway, so that's maybe less. I'm hoping we've got some audiophiles listening who are getting their checkbooks out and selling right their now. cars and their houses to buy these cables. But I think, of course, what's in, all joking aside, it's good to see that. Uh, I, I, are you going to go for the guess here that this is a deliberate attempt by the company to court some publicity? We we did discuss this as a potential mm-hmm. thing. We, we'd like it to be known that basically if you want some free publicity, then you just have to put a ridiculously priced item on the website. That's well, fine by us. What's really interesting, there, there are two sides to this. On the one hand, the reviews are great. Go read the reviews. The this reviews is are a great fantastic. Thing to go look at. Wonders. It's fantastic stuff. On the other hand, when you click through to the company in questions, uh, other products, you'll find several pages of quite reasonably priced audio connectors. Which at first made me think, okay, they've put in this one for a laugh to to get a bit of uh, free publicity. And then people will click through and say, hey, but the rest of their stuff is not $8,500. I could buy these uh, G-Snake Audio Interconnect cables. But then I started to push through further. And as you push through further through the Amazon listing of what they've got, the prices do start to climb. You can quite happily buy a 3-meter HDMI chocolate indulgence cable for $150. And everybody knows that digital uh, digital signals are very dependent on the cable quality. Absolutely, because they no don't just work or not cable, work, do they? I'm no, saying it's not going to work. It's always like that degradation of digital signals it really affects my picture quality. I find. Perhaps I could offer you some eight meter mini plug cables for two hundred and eight dollars. That that would be my kind of thing. I'm saying that. they don't even need an image. If they had an image there, that would only take away from. They probably value. blind you with. Yep. Also nice. So it's good to see that these this uh, this company are also there for the high end. That's very true. Consumer who wants to spend. Let's on move cables. on to our other plunder items. Bye bye. All right, then we got two more items of plunder. It's a it's a wealth of plunder today. Um, I'm gonna let's take the uh, DJ Sniff experimental turn tur- turntablism. Uh, this is from Create Digital Music Blog, which is obviously an awesome blog. Um, and this is a cool video, and I think they're actually it, it's actually one of their own. Um, it's DJ Sniff showing a whole load of stuff he works with. It's cool in decks. Um, I think there's some Maximus P use in there and then a whole load of other toys. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to look through the whole thing. It's about 14 minutes long. There's just an interview with him where he talks through his rig and his playing technique. Very nice. He's got decks. He's running it through Max, doing some looping and other stuff. But, you know, the guy's obviously, he's a he's a quality turntable musician, so he's able to play these things with fluency. And I think he may have even got his own, cust- he's got custom software. Does he also have custom hardware? I'm I think sure. there is some kind of custom bits of hardware in it there could as well. Be. Well, he's been working with Stein the uh, research center in Amsterdam who are really, really good at this kind of stuff. So I'm guessing this is there's going to be some good stuff in there. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, our final item of plunder, and I think this is actually awesome. This is genuinely awesome here. <laughs> um, Audio-Technica um, have, um, have a listening post where you can hear material being recorded with different microphones. To compare By the microphones. material, do you mean... Like, like musical you, material or actual material? No, actual material. So you can pick anything you want. So here, if I wanted to... I could decide that I want to. Um, I'm interested in recording hi hats, oh. so I can I can select hi hats, and here it is. It's offering me oh I don't know maybe ten fifteen different hi hat recordings being made yeah. with different mics, so I can compare an AE three thousand against an AT two or three five. That's awesome. If I wanted to, and you can download it and then give it a listen. That's pretty sweet. Um, if I'm more interested in a particular microphone, perhaps I'm wanting to comp- I'm, I'm wanting to do a comparison between two mics, then I could just you know take an AE fifty one thousand. And it was showing me the stuff here. So I can see a cuse, um, electric guitar, hi-hats, mm-hmm. or snares. And I can go between them. Um, and I think that's really cool. If you're, in the, if you're looking for a mic, then obviously 
Yeah. You know what I mean? This is a great way to compare directly their stuff. But also, if you're if you're more thinking in a broader sphere of things, and obviously you could go and pick out two of their different mics, maybe a, a condenser and a dynamic, and hear the comparison between them, between the, the different types as well. You I know, mean, on one hand, this is such an obvious thing for a microphone company to do. Yeah, but at the same, you know, uh, are are the others doing this? Maybe they should be. S- some of them are, but not mm. to this not to this ease and this level mm-hmm. of detail. This I was really really, nice. really impressed by. Press what they had. There are a couple of things I think they could do to improve it, though. I'm saying, first of all, I'm sorry. Well, we didn't have a cool uh, sound library this. We didn't have a comedy sound library this week. Nope. But um, the sound library guys, when we have them, have these really incredibly detailed kind of this is what we did and this is how we did it and this is how we had it positioned and all this sort of stuff. And that isn't here. I'm, I'm not seeing that here. So yeah. it'd be cool. It, it would be like, so the video easy would be cool. to video it with high-end audio. Uh, but video with high-end audio is that's kind of awkward because the audio codexes tend to deprioritize well, the video stuff. No, what but, I mean is to to provide the two files. Yeah, yeah. so you can so go you back could in see it. This is the setup, and yeah. here's the high-quality recording, yeah. or even just a bit of text, which yeah. is just uh, you know, this is what we did. This is how we had it set up, sort yeah. of thing. Would be I think would be quite in would be for me that would be the missing. You know, well, a running like time index with the video, so you could watch the video and see precisely at what moment they switched from one mic to the other. Oh, that'd be nice, yeah. You know, this is making video with that in mind. I mean, I I do remember the nice DPA mics when we got those in the university. Those had uh, I don't came, like those things. Well, they came, but they came with DVDs oh, okay. that played you like twenty examples of different mic positions on a piano. There was a whole DVD about micing up a piano using these, mm. and you got the same piece of music played with 20 different microphones micing it up, and you heard all the comparisons, which is really cool. But, you know, you can do that online now. You don't need a DVD for that, as much as the DPA mm. one was awesome. In, in my experience, DPA mics are good for showing you how bad your soundproofing is. <laughs> I really like some recordings I've done with those DPA mics. That's fair enough. And some not so much. Well, with that, we've actually made it to the end of episode 26, uh, CDC. Um that's cool. I hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget, you can get the show notes at wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk. I will be ordering my Free Sound Project t-shirt tomorrow. Uh, I will be going for the white one, I think, and it will cost me $25 plus postage. Oh, cool. If you if you get one, you can work for the next show. That'd be, next time you're on a show, that'd be awesome. All right. We have, um, don't forget, you can tweet us um, at the audio podcast. That's cool. Um, if you want to send us more directed complaints, then show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk is cool. Uh, the show is, as always, available via iTunes as the podcast, which is cool. And we like the podcast. But if you want to watch us live, then we're 7 p.m. in the UK. 7, 7 p.m. UK time on Justin TV slash the audio podcast. Yep. And then you can join in the chat window as well, which is always fun. Please do. Is there anything from the chat window? Or are we, uh, anything worth going to the chat window for? Or is it just ridiculous now? It's just ridiculous. It's a party in there. Things are on fire. Things are being turned over. I'm glad to hear that. Well, with that then, uh, Scott McLaughlin, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Scott Hewitt, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Goodbye, world. Goodbye, universe.